Friends, here we are. We're ready. Episode 7. What are we talking about? We're going to continue talking about pornography today. Yay! We're <laughs> going to continue talking. It got so exciting the last time that we just had two parts. Yeah, this is going to be the second episode as we continue this conversation about pornography. So please buckle up. We're going to jump back in. No, for sure. I think at the beginning I knew the enemy really wanted me to feel like I wasn't enough. I wasn't attractive enough. In fact, that actually, that next, I think that next, within the next few months, we slowly saw when I um, I, I had a small eating disorder for a little bit. Of um, I found myself staying busy. We, all, we also had a six-month-old at the house, and we were walking through this freshly, you know, new parents. And, um, and so I was constantly on the go, busy with him. And it was a little bit easier for me to, once I started realizing I was on the go so much, I wasn't eating. And then I got to a place of, oh, I, maybe I'm going to become more attractive this way. And it spun into a way bigger thing and, and really had to deal with that, you know, too. And, and you having an honest conversation with me of saying, Hey, I'm seeing where this is going. And mm-hmm you owned up to, I know I've put a lot of this on you and I'm really sorry that that is the idea that I put in your head. Um, but you expressed so many times and again, it was hard to accept because we, I really had to see that you, I had to believe you again and, and you expressed, you know, you loved me and you loved, you know, who I was and what you looked at didn't change any of that. And, Mm -hmm. and as hard as that, was for me to believe at the beginning. I think the more we had conversations that way, the more there were things that, like you said, you would call me when you were, you know, working and something popped up on the computer, not pornography, but anything that you think would have sent your mind there. Um, and would, it would show me, Oh, he's even catching the small things and he's letting me in on, he's being aware of, of changing what's happening. And I think those were the things that really began to change that. And I had to do a lot of work in counseling and with God of accepting who I was and, and not allowing my insecurities to really run that, um, over. And, and I think that was all part of building that trust back. And, and it wasn't just you doing work, but knowing that the enemy was doing something to me and I had to be fully aware of that and making sure I was taking that to God. There was a definite, you know, progression of building back trust. And I'll say right now, if you're in the middle of this or this has just happened to you, just know, please hear from us that you can make it through that. You can get through a really difficult season of someone saying, I've looked at pornography or I've had an addiction. Like you can get through it. It can happen. God will help you. He'll help both of you. Um, but for instances like us, one thing I had to really learn is that it's going to take a lot of time. And I mentioned that earlier, but I really thought we could fast forward at times like, no, I'm actually doing better. I'm not looking at pornography, so we should just be fine again. And it does not happen that way. It takes a long time and it really did take a part on you for you. You had to come to a place where you were going to decide to believe me, even though it was really hard and it was still really scary for you to open up. And to be vulnerable again, you had to make a decision of like, okay, if he said he's doing good, I'm going to believe him. Well, I think at at, at a point I, you know, all the while of, of realizing and accepting, okay, this isn't about me. This was here before me. And this was an issue that you had. It was something that you had to deal with. And I think at the point of me having to choose to start to trust you, it was a choice, but it was also me trusting God more than it was me trusting Mm -hmm. you and me putting it in God's hands to say, Hey, you're, 
you're bigger than this God. And yes, this is his thing. This is not my issue. This is not about me. And I'm going to accept that all the while trusting that if something needed to come to the surface and Mm -hmm. I needed to know about anything, Mm -hmm. I'm trusting you, God, to do that. I don't need to be the controlling wife, check, always checking your phone. Now, there's a there season where well, I think that was appropriate. Yeah, there was a limit Absolutely. of accountability with each other. You also find accountability with someone else that mm-hmm. you trust that could lead you. Um, that- accountability is something that can't be overlooked because that we had accountability. We went to counseling. We had accountability. There was accountability with what would I look at on my phone. I mean, even little things like not taking my phone into the bathroom. That was a thing for us, and it still is. That's worked into kind of a just a pattern in our whole marriage now where – even if I want to go and check Instagram or do anything, I know that even though I'm in a good place now, that's just an off-limits thing. And that's just part of the boundaries, I think, that you learn to put up when you want to maintain health. Yeah. And so for a season, the person that was hurt in this, they really get to call the shots on what they think they need for a while. And that's good. Yeah, Give I, them space I to think process we, that. We walked through a small time of there were some things that might have seemed silly to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as the person understanding that you're building that trust trust back, regardless of how silly that might be, if the other person needs that, yeah. I would say that do that. Because if you are at a place of saying, I want to make this work, I want to do whatever I can to build that trust back. Then do whatever you need to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever Even the other person's asking. if it seems asking. silly or lame, like it, it's not to the other person. And there will be a point in time where trust will be built back. And, and so I do think people need to know, if you're in the beginning of this, I don't think that's going to mean forever there's going to be some of these things in place. Yeah, I, think I think there there will be growth there, but I've had to learn and accept 100% that I am very vulnerable to what I see, to what I'm going to listen to, to the thoughts that will be in my mind. And if I don't try every day, even though I've found success now for years, if I don't try every day to resist lust and to pray about the enemy not coming in and destroying things again, that could happen right away. It doesn't it doesn't go away. Those desires are not going to leave. It's just you're going to learn how to deal with it and manage it and find health in that. But I, I, I don't want you to have the, the the myth that those desires are going to be gone because they're not. Yeah. Well, we have also put into play. I know you said there were a lot of boundaries. We don't watch rated R movies. Um, there are a lot of things that might seem well, no, silly. We, we, we didn't. We, we do now. But we check what's what's in there. If it's a movie that's rated R just because of violence, well, we can still watch it. But if there's anything that has a sexual rating, nudity, we don't watch it at all. PG-13, we won't watch sometimes if the parent review says it's too much sexuality. Yeah, and I think we do – at the beginning, it was pretty – Very strict. didn't – yeah. I and, mean, and what TV shows that. we would watch, Yeah. If, if it ever felt uncomfortable for you, first of all – I would really train myself just to look away from the TV if it was at all that. And and you sense that. And you're like, okay, well, that show we can't watch anymore. And so there were things we had to cut out of our lifestyle that were a sacrifice. But, man, I can tell you if health and a great marriage is the destination, throw everything else overboard to get there because it's worth it. I know one big thing that was helpful for us was figuring out what your triggers were. And yes. Finding, I know you mentioned when you're tired, when you're really stressed. Overworked, I, yeah. Overworked. And, and when even when Andy's working a lot or I'm busy with the boys, we tend, when we don't connect, we don't have a lot of whether I mean, that's, that's connecting in conversation. That's not having sex for a long time. 
those are times for me that we really had to learn. Like those are buttons for me that can be pushed that can make temptation just come to the forefront. And it can be a lot harder to avoid or let my mind linger or to snap out of it or to not realize the cycle is starting. And so we had to develop kind of a roadmap, uh, I think, of, of what those things are. And you knew about them. I verbalized them. And then we had to take some proactive steps if we felt one of those things coming. Yeah, if we saw, okay, we're going to set ourselves up now. This is going to be a busy season, and he's going to be working a lot. He's going to be tired. He's going to be stressed, overwhelmed, and making sure that we stayed connected, which we do try and prioritize the one date night a week um, because we know that if we don't do that, that's a recipe for disaster and can easily send your mind rolling back that direction. And so I, I know that will be, we say this a lot, I'm sorry, but that'll be different for every couple. That's going to be, you know, for every person that struggles with lust or pornography, your triggers, they might be the same list we just said, they might be different. But it, again, it just leads itself to good communication. You have to talk about it and be open to saying, you know, these are the times when it's the most difficult and you're telling the other person so they can help you, not so they can be more worried or more paranoid during those seasons, but you can actually have a plan in place to overcome those times where you're very susceptible to giving in. Yeah. You can find redemption. You can find forgiveness. God's grace is there for you. Honestly, when I was walking through this after high school, after the first year of college, I got one of my first tattoos, and I I, I was wanting to find a scripture that would mean something to me. And you've seen this because it's on my body. And it's a verse that really helps me. And it helps me through this process of my life, but also through other things. It's 2 Corinthians twelve nine. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect through weakness. And I would say, and I joke about it, I've got plenty of weakness. I mean, I've got more than I think anybody else would ever care to know about. But God's uh, grace is sufficient for that, and his power will be made perfect in my weakness. And that seems crazy, but when I submit to my relationship with Jesus, it can turn into what started as stumbling across a TV channel that I shouldn't have even been able to see through bringing this into our marriage, through all the hurt and the pain, to now fast forward to where we are in a great place, and we're talking on a, on a podcast about it. Like That's that's God working through my weakness for good. Yeah, and I think you said it the other day. You, We talked about what I was asking you questions like, what was the biggest turning point for you? And I know one thing was, you know, was us talking openly about it and being able to, you know, do that together. And um, and you you shared the more that, and we're not talking about always airing out your dirty laundry for the world, but I think there was a point of Andy really finding some healing in that and, um, by and, being open and being, well, finding healing in pornography in itself with God, but then also, um, being able to move forward in a healthy way and sharing that with people. And, and I think there was, there's a stigma at the beginning. And then honestly, we're watching this happen in people's lives around us and people that we love and marriages that we love. And one big thing that has made me sad and is unique to our story is, is that Andy as a pastor 
there's a stigma for pastors got to have it all together and and you can't struggle with things where it's that's so not true we're human beings and we all struggle yes and and i think it's sad the stuff we watch happen of the people that don't want to talk about it because they're so worried about whatever others think and the guilt and the shame that comes with that and when you let the guilt and the shame win it does keep you from bringing that stuff to light and in dark those things will will overtake you. And I think you said the more that we've been able to talk about it and share mm-hmm. your story and that it's brought to light, that is the, the less power that the enemy has over you and, and it doesn't become something that locks you up and, and something you feel the need to hide and, and the shame and the guilt, you know, get dealt with and go away. And, it, and it's not going to hold you down anymore. And I think that is a huge win for anyone who can bring something like that to light. Now, I'm not saying we're all human beings. We're excused to falling into it and it always becoming, a, you know, something that you, you do. I think that at a certain point, depending on the, the level of the addiction, there should be higher measure of some extra help, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like in that story. But um, I know for us, there have been a lot of healing pieces to this process. And the biggest one is that we've been able to talk openly about it. And I know that God put us in a very unique place. We grew up in a church environment, the type of church environment that if you even said you had messed up or something that you were struggling with like that, everything got taken away from you or you weren't allowed to do certain things. And and it wasn't even a matter of, hey, you're struggling with this. Let's come behind you and let's help you get help. It was see ya, bye-bye kind of thing. And and I think that maybe for you, there was probably a little bit of that fear, oh, a lot of, of that fear of bringing that to light. Absolutely. And I, I know this was all part of God's plan of where he had us, the leaders he had us around, the people he had behind us and the love and the support, because that more than anything was, I think that the change, the biggest change of encouragement of saying, whoa, I'm going to be loved through this. Mm-hmm. They care about our marriage more than they care about my job. And through that, we found a lot of freedom to get help and to say like, hey, this sucks that something I'm struggling with, but we're doing this together. Yeah. And I th- I think that was our biggest, um, our biggest push, I think, in the right direction. And that would be our hope for anyone walking through this and, and don't take, not to take it lightly. It's not something that just goes away and, um, find the safe people again, don't, you don't have to tell everyone, but the safe people in your life to be able to be open that are going to come behind you and support you and love you and give you that accountability to say, we're in this together. What do you need? And, um, and a place that you can, you can really go to when you are struggling because it's the second that you have to hide it and you can't talk mm-hmm. about it and it lives in the dark that that I think starts to get really, oh yeah, really bad. I know we talked about accountability and you mentioned it, but I think one of the important things is finding accountability with someone who's not your spouse <laughs> because I, I know we were open and that was good, but there were a, a key person or two who could call me or text me and ask me, honestly, how are you? And I could tell them if it if I had messed up or if it was a bad day or any of those things. And it was a safe person, but I had to be really honest with them. And even in moments where it would probably be hard to be honest with you, there was someone who I was being honest with. And I think that's the whole idea of bringing this to light and being open about it. Because once you do that, it does cause pain. It does cause problems. But those problems and that pain, it's worth managing and getting through and being honest about and addressing if you want to find freedom and if you want to find 
um, relief because mm-hmm. it's out there. It's yeah. there. Yeah. And it just takes a lot of work. But if you're in the middle of it right now, you know how hopeless that can feel. You know what addiction is like. And you know that it, it seems impossible, even though you want it so badly. But you can get there. It just means you have to be willing to be honest and vulnerable and change a lot of things about your life that probably seem silly at times. But that's what it takes. Yeah. And it's a slow process. It's not something that it's something that I think can be given up on fairly easily because it's something that you feel like is just, you know, never gonna go away. You'll never get past where you are. But I think we're here to say that there's hope in that mm-hmm. and, and our biggest hope is in God and um and we've seen it. It's taken, like you said, I think four years now. Well, it was five years ago, but I think we've been really in a good place, probably for a little over a year now. Yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, we built trust back the whole time. The first year was the worst. And then the second year, it still was difficult, but we were still moving forward. And then the third year, there was even more freedom, and we had good conversation, but it wasn't a daily, the world is collapsing. It, it was a steady progression of getting better. But it took a long time. It was not a fast process because you needed time to process yourself and to get through a lot. I needed time to get to be a healthy person and to be confident in who I am and where I find my value and all those things. It just, I mean, overall, to sum it all up, it takes time and you cannot shortcut that process. It, it won't work. Yeah. And if I, you do that, you're going to mess up again and again and again. I'm sure we'll talk about it in another episode, but it did end up affecting our sex life. and. Big time. And I mean, yours, your baggage and mine, but, um, of what that looked like specifically for pornography of my fear of, you know, what's going on in that moment in your mind. And, um, and again, I think it's just taken us being really open with that and me telling you and some uncomfortable times. I mean, if you're, if you're married, you know what that's probably like where something will come up, either some, a kid cries or whatever, and it kills the mood. This can kill the mood faster than anything else is your spouse worrying or being or being worried about what you're thinking about or where your mind is and those were legitimate questions for you to ask and i had to be open and honest and say i'm not thinking about that and and or if i was i could honestly say i'm having a hard time whatever that looked like we had to be open for those things yeah yeah so this doesn't definitely is not easy even i know we talk about it in that we have found freedom in that but we still have times i think even the other night we were talking about some pornography stuff and i just said hey tonight's not a good night for us to do anything i think it's fresh on my mind and i'm more Mm -hmm. worried like are you thinking about it and um and still have the days where we'll you know i check in because i we haven't been talking about it how are you doing um, and it has taken a while. Everyone's story is different. So we can't say, oh, it's going to take you two years or three years to build that trust back or whatever that looks like for you. But we know that 100% there's hope and doing this with God, doing this with a community, um, of people who are going in that same direction spiritually as you. I know that there's freedom in that. And that's what we are encouraging more than anything. I think I'd love to close in prayer. Yeah, I think that that's cool? a good idea. All right, let me pray for you, everybody. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that you would use these words in these last few minutes um, to help people, to uh, let them know that you are here and that you want them to find victory and freedom and peace, and you can put things back together. You can give someone uh, the ability to not have this addiction anymore, and you can give the ability for marriages to be put back together. Um, Don't let this be the thing that ruins your marriage. It can get better. And remember, 
God can help you to find progress, not perfection, because perfection is impossible. But we can all get better one day at a time. I just pray that right now, people that are listening, if they're struggling, you could give them insight into things that we said that might really help them. What are things they can put in place on their phone when they can't be on their phone? Maybe opening up for the first time to their spouse in a safe way. Uh, or give people that are in the middle of this the stamina uh, to keep going and to make it through the, the really difficult process of rebuilding trust. I, I know that you can help all of us. I pray that you continue to help me to be aware and to know what boundaries to keep in place. I, I just pray that this really would help at least one person to find some freedom in this area that can seem hopeless and so difficult to get out of. Uh, thank you for this uh, time together. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions or even after talking about this, I know we didn't get to go into complete depth of our resources or tools that we've put in place for this specifically, please, please, please email us at marriagesuckspodcast at gmail.com or you can find us and follow along with this journey um, and even ask questions there on our Instagram at marriagesuckspodcast. Thanks for joining us today. See you. We're out.